of the Real Dads podcast, a real podcast about real movies with fake dads. I am joined here today for an all superhero Snyder Cut Marvel podcast by the usual Roger Branstadter, who just got a good old shot of Pfizer. He's a Pfizer guy now. He's got his first shot in and by the host of the RB1 Fantasy Football Podcast, Pete Rogers. So it's Roger and Rogers here today. How are you guys doing? Great. I'm. Uh, I feel like Superman after that shot. <laughs> Just feel indestructible. Yeah, uh, Kryptonite will still do it, but <laughs> we'll still do the trick. But you're covered in all <laughs> other bases. I am so excited, you guys. I hope you're ready for a four-hour podcast because I have notes on notes on notes on notes. This, I there's too much not to talk about in this in this movie. Surprise! I'm screen sharing the Snyder cut throughout this whole podcast, and we're just going <laughs> to give our own director's commentary. It's going to go scene by scene and talk about what we love and hate. Perfect. So, for those of you who have been living under a rock when it comes to movies the Snyder cut dropped this past weekend it was a four-hour director's cut from Zack Snyder just to get a little bit of background on that it was a vision of his that many the internet warriors many of the actors involved with the film including Ben Affleck, Gal Gadot, Ray Fisher, Jason Momoa, all campaigned to have Zack Snyder release his vision of the film because when he was working on it back in circa 2016-17, he had to step away from the film for personal reasons. Joss Whedon uh, didn't pick up the mantle. He was just kind of given the mantle uh, by Warner Brothers Studios execs. And now we are fully realizing that Josh Whedon absolutely destroyed what Zack Snyder was trying to do and kind of just put together a hodgepodge of nonsense um, that turned into the 2017 version of Justice League, which is now not canon. Uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League is the only canon. So let's just start with overall thoughts, mostly from Pete, because Roger got through the first 40 minutes and... (laughs) had a video game related episode to deal with. Might be a separate podcast to talk about that, but if anyone has ever played a video game and had a corrupted save issue, you know my pain. I, I, yeah, we can all relate. It's it's one of the worst things that can happen to someone. Uh, I Like I said, lot, I have lots to talk about. I'll go kind of chronologically and feel free to, we can interject and interrupt at any moment. First off, the fact that this was R was perfect. I mean, I should say that I am a huge Zack Snyder fan. I have loved pretty much everything that he has produced and directed. And so taking this to an R rating, I felt was the necessary step to further cement the fact that DC is just dark. It's just a darker comic uh, you know, entity than Marvel. And so Zack Snyder has long kind of steered into that with his DCU and I think making this an R-rated movie just allowed there to be instances that were great most notably for me was like violent Wonder Woman 
like Wonder Woman being a god and throwing humans around. And guess what? When humans smack against walls, they kind of explode. Um, and so like that just was like, I felt like you for the first time in like this cinema world saw the impact that Wonder Woman has as just like this god amongst humans and her being this Amazon warrior badass as opposed to, you know, like a slightly toned down version in the uh, in the both previous Wonder Woman movies. Yeah, that's something that people had a, like they had qualms with when Zack Snyder first released Man of Steel back in the day is that oh Superman is too violent or there's too much going on. And I'm like, I'm sorry, if if a guy like Superman is flying around fighting other people who are strong like Superman, other Kryptonians, then like some destruction is going to happen. It's not gonna be very well self-contained, like batman fighting a street level villain that's just right. that's not how it's gonna go batman is a guy who lifts weights superman is a god <laughs> yeah big difference big difference there uh i don't know if you could notice that and to to your point about superman i liked the fact that superman felt you felt superman's like opness in this movie versus like his, when they his was take his his opness <laughs> <laughs> As soon as I said it, I was like, ah, oh, well, we're just going to move past it. But uh, you called me out on it. His overpoweredness, uh, both versus Justice League and when he's fighting Steppenwolf, like he is a god and all of these mere human mortals can't take him down. And then when he's fighting another god, he like still is able to turn the tides against Steppenwolf. And I appreciated his hyper aggressiveness, showing no mercy to Steppenwolf. I feel like often they've given Superman like these kinds of like boundaries. Like he won't go this far. He won't do this. But like when he has Steppenwolf just like pinned to the ground, pumping him with laser beams and fists and you're like, Oh, all right, Superman, go for it. Keep, keep doing your thing. Like show no mercy to this guy. I was here for it. Absolutely washes Steppenwolf. Like I want to go through three hours of the justice league again, just to watch Superman just absolutely wiped the floor with Steppenwolf because it was over. Like he couldn't be in the whole movie because that, that's just how quick it would have been. And I, I like that Zack Snyder had like the the wherewithal to know that like Superman is that guy. Like he will dominate you. So let's let's remove him from the movie. Like a dark side is probably more on the level, or like if there's ever any sort of like sequel to this movie, uh, it would be a little bit more of a one-on-one, -on -one, but this is like, a, to bring up recent Twitter, it's like Brian Scalabrini against LeBron. <laughs> like, yeah, Brian Scalabrini is closer to LeBron than we are to Brian Scalabrini, but yeah, it, it's not even like a fair match when they're going against each other. It's very reminiscent of like how Captain Marvel was had to like kept out of uh, end game because when she shows up she just flies mm -hmm. through the spaceship and it just comes crashing down and you're like oh if she was here from the get-go this just wouldn't be a fight yeah that's exactly it that's why it was not until we had infinity war and then captain marvel and then end game like sandwich those movies with captain marvel because then people would be wondering for if it was in chronological order she would come right after captain america the first avenger and you'd be like why wasn't she here the whole time so you needed an explanation to take the the trump card away from this team i also appreciate steppenwolf having like character flaws and being a like fully realized character rather than 
I will claim this planet for no reason. It's like he's trying to appease Darkseid and he he has his own like daddy issues. And and I, I like that. I like having villains that you, you know, maybe slightly sympathize for, but certainly when Superman's beating the shit, the poop out of him, you're like, okay, I'm okay with this. I don't sympathize too much with him, but uh, I liked I liked that slight addition. I haven't seen, I, I will say, I have not watched Joss Whedon's Justice League, uh, but I've seen enough clips from it to know that I probably never will. We there... call that Justice League. Like we just refer to that <laughs> going forward as Justice League. Perfect. Justice League. I like that because it sounds like it's a little off, which is exactly what that movie is. It's definitely, it's a weird film because now having seen the Snyder cut and you have like, the hindsight of Zack Snyder with all of his interviews that he was doing and the ramp up to the release of this, you had like a little bit of a background on why this piece came together and why it, it felt they felt it was necessary to get another another shot at this. And I would say in the Whedon, the Justice League, uh, there was mostly all the action scenes from from there we're still in there so it's like obviously Snyder's DNA is all over that movie in that I mean because he just is a rock star at filming action scenes whether that's 300 or uh, Watchmen he just knows how to do it there was I will say there's like one or two scenes in Joss Whedon's Justice League that provided a little bit of levity but they're they're not missed because what he absolutely swung and missed on in his movies is that he didn't build these characters in a way that was like foundational to storytelling he just kind of threw them all together gutted the heart and like the soul out of these movies which is cyborg and tried to replace it with some sort of weird wonder woman ben affleck love situation or hinted at it which wonder woman would just essentially break bruce wayne anyway <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't understand how would ben affleck fair though <laughs> yeah Bat, batman batman would not have any opiness during uh during that interaction ben affleck would be here for it because <laughs> you seen that I'm back just, tat oh uh, rising of the phoenix Flight of the man. phoenix He's got his Dunkin' Donuts and he's knocking on <laughs> Wonder Woman's go. door. <laughs> he's like, Gal, I'm sure you just absolutely love to sit down and eat Dunkin' and talk about the Red Sox. Is that, that's, that's a date. He'll only wear a Mets hat, though. Do not try to get him to wear a Yankees hat. Yeah, no, that's, that's, put, that's a step too far. So what is, I mean, it was a four hour movie. I, I broke it up and watched it in separate parts, not because I couldn't sit there and watch four hours of superhero awesomeness. Like I do that mostly every weekend anyway, when I fire up like civil war followed by uh, Spider-Man homecoming or Ant-Man, like that's a normal weekend for me, but I broke it up because I just had, I had shit to do. I had different things going on, but what was your favorite part? in the whole four hours of the movie roger you can give us your favorite part of the first 40 <laughs> the minutes, first 40 minutes. It's, uh, it's still I, like I, it draws you in pretty good yeah i can do that i thought that uh first scene with wonder woman just like wrecking dudes at a bank and like being faster than bullets was awesome uh i i'm not sure that you necessarily get that she is essentially just superman powered uh from the 
standalone Wonder Woman movies and her just wrecking those dudes, the nondescript terrorists who I still am a little unclear on their motives. And I would not mind diving into that a little bit, but uh, that was pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, I like it's Bruce the, Bolton, so he's just an, an asshole anyway. Just you don't like even the, need a gonna, motive for him. We're going to blow up a bank and suddenly London will be thrown into the Dark Ages. Yes, this is our plan. This is good for everyone. <laughs> this is a perfect scheme. <laughs> Us included. <laughs> it seems like they are banking on her nice saving every, like I, that plan didn't seem very well thought out to me, but whatever. Great scene anyway. Yeah. I will I also, say I, it was much worse in the Justice League. Like that scene was kind of just, it was introducing Wonder Woman, but with Zack Snyder adding a little bit more to it or put rather putting back what he had in it, it added a little bit more like, this is what is happening. This is who uh, our Wonder Woman is, our Princess Diana is. And otherwise it was just a very like, here's Wonder Woman and pushing her right in front of the screen yeah yeah no i i also i thought the way that he that Zack snyder showed her being faster than bullets and moving like it felt if i thought it did an exceptional job of that in terms of just not feeling like so fast that you didn't see anything but it it somehow still felt human and like manageable for someone to do those things just like you had to be super powered uh which i really appreciate because often when you have that jump from you know, human to God in films, you often, it gets wonky and it, it just feels off. And this still felt somehow like founded in realism, which which I think just made the scene that much more impactful and that much like more enjoyable. Yeah, for sure. I agree. Pete, what was your favorite part in the four hours? I'm glad that you you stopped me from, from my whole list because it did save my like absolute favorite part of this movie uh, for now, which is perfect. Uh, and you had to watch all four hours to get it. <laughs> and I, that's the that's the Batman-Joker interaction. I just thought that that was exceptional. I thought the casual F-bomb from Batfleck was chef's kiss. Um, and just them batting about, like their conversation is something that I felt like you didn't, if you were just a casual viewer, it was still enjoyable. But if you know the comic lore of Batman and Joker and their relationship and uh, things that have occurred between the two of them, that it was just hearing them talk about it, like beat, like kind of talk around it, but never actually outright say it. Uh, I just thought it was so well done. And I, if Zack Snyder's not allowed to make any more DCU movies, I would, I would pay money to, to have him just do a standalone like Ben Affleck, Jared Leto, Joker, Batman. Like, just do take the Killing Joke and make it with uh, with Ben Affleck and Jared Leto. I would I would watch the the crap out of that. I have a yeah. standing Unfor- theory that they should just let everyone make Batman movies. The Killing Joke being one of them. Uh, just why not adapt all of the animated uh, movies? Take Mask of the Phantasm, take Under the Red Hood, oh, so good. Make them all live action and give someone a billion dollars to do it. I think, unfortunately, though, Zack Snyder is the one that's saying, like, this is it. Like, I put this out here. Here we go. Which is, like, it's fine because I think the way you grow and expand the universe is, not to compare or continue drawing comparisons to the MCU, but they have grown because they. it's not like they had, I mean, Joss Whedon, like, continue to just rip out movies. I mean, after Age of Ultron, I think they kind of took that card away from him. But... (laughs) 
if they kept on going with like the same guy to project these movies, the movies would have probably ended up stale. So you got to bring in like a Chloe Zhao, a Taika Waititi. Like you have to have these guys with unique and different perspectives. And like if Ben Affleck even got to actually like if they're, I mean, because I loved this Batman even more than I already thought. I already thought highly of Ben Affleck. I loved it even more now. But if they decided to give Ben Affleck his Batman movie and they already have Andy Muschietti directing the Flash movie, uh, Patty Jenkins is already a great voice, James Wan directing Aquaman. Like, you just have to have these kinds of people bringing in new perspectives. And if Zack Snyder is out, then I, I don't even know who I would want directing next, but... It would be it would be great for them to provide more diversity uh, with this series. To your point about the the Joker and Batman interaction, I thought it was great that it finally like added a little bit of context to Batman vs Superman. Mm. Because I mean, I'm not saying that movie was good, but I'm not saying it was terrible either. And to again to keep on comparing to the mcu (laughs) the mcu has done a great job of making some of their bad movies relevant again by just continuing to make make movies like they're pumping them out like thor the dark world is an important movie now thor the dark world is a great movie and i stand by that but like (laughs) age of ultron to bring it back to that is not a great movie but it is one of the key movies in the entire infinity saga um so just having that like exposition of batman and the joker like going back and forth and even dropping the most subtle of f-bombs like people are making a big deal out of that but what else would you say in that situation like absolutely you will say i'll fucking kill you it was so seamless and it worked so well it just it it felt it felt like one of those instances where so the the Christian Bale, Heath Ledger, Joker, Batman conversation, like when he's in the prison cell, that very much felt like an interrogation and they're both like playing mental games with each other. And like Heath Ledger as the Joker is trying to like kind of feel out who this Batman is. They're both feeling each other out, but there hasn't been like, they, they haven't established this history. Whereas this conversation was just like, we have been in each other's lives for the last however many years you want to like track it on. And we're so entwined let's talk about that. Let's have a little therapy session about like our friendship. And that was just, I was all for that. I just feel like that is such a unique aspect of, and why I love the killing joke as a, as a graphic novel, because it's such a unique aspect of Batman and Joker's relationship is that they're both psychotic and they're both like, they're basically each other's best friends. (laughs) And, and just that, like that relationship, I felt this was the first time that I saw that on screen. And it got me all kinds of excited. That brings me directly to my favorite part of the movie. And it was the Boston man himself, Ben Affleck, as Batman. I fucking loved it. I thought he was (laughs) so good. And to, to kind of put a bow on like establishing Batman's history like this did a much better job of establishing that this Batman this Bruce Wayne is like a grizzled vet like he's been around the block a time or two like I think they made mention one time that he's been doing this for like 20 years or so and he's got history with villains and he's a little paranoid he's a little 
self-serious and in the Justice League, it was kind of like, here's here's Batman and he's putting this team together because that the point of this movie is to bring this team together and that's what <laughs> needs to happen. But they actually established like that Ben Affleck's Batman, his Bruce Wayne needed to do this because he, you know, when when someone close to you or someone who you put a lot of stock in as it were asks you to promise them to do something or is you know put in the situation that Bruce Wayne was where he's like this guy came from the sky and caused a bunch of destruction something else is going to come obviously like something else is out there so it established an actual purpose for what Bruce Wayne was doing and that purpose went beyond like trying to slide in Princess Diana's DMs and get under that tiara like (laughs) that it was just much better shades of Tony Stark putting a suit of armor around the world Mm, yeah exactly very much so um overall I just I love like how how kind of operatic and Mm -hmm. very much painted these figures and like because my main thing with dc versus marvel heroes is that marvel heroes are people who are normal for the most part and then they suddenly get these crazy powers and they have to learn how to deal with them but these dc heroes especially the ones we already have save for cyborg and flash they are and even flash in this universe is like these people are already living with their powers for the most part. Like they have these abilities and cyborg who ends up being like an audience avatar is he's learning how to adjust with his powers like a Marvel character would. But these other people have been like Bruce Wayne's been Batman. Like Wonder Woman has lived for, I don't know, thousands of years. And she knows like she will rip somebody's head off if she has to. Is she? It's more of them trying to figure out a way to fit in with a society that's just not on their level. Yeah, and that's just one of the things that I think DC DC has these like grizzled characters, and they seems like they just haven't somehow they don't want to. Maybe they don't want to steer into it. And I I know we're gonna probably talk about this later in the pod, but I just feel like steer into the darkness, DC. Don't be Marvel. Don't be like lighthearted and, and witty and, and fun. Go just go full dark and just start producing a bunch of R-rated movies and uh, and like accept the fact that you're just a darker, grittier universe. Cause it works for them. Yeah, I want to hear Superman. Yeah, go swear. ahead and that sounds fun. Yeah. yeah, Superman just dropping F bombs every time he shoots lasers out of his eyes. You're being a real butthole right now, Lex Luthor. <laughs> Oh, speaking of, Jesse Eisenberg back. That was something we probably didn't need. No. He he's one um, of my losers for the but, for the movie. <laughs> oh, well let's let's jump down. I, we loved the movie obviously, but what was if you had to pick a least favorite part, what was your least favorite part? I had two. First one, I didn't love Batman with a gun. Uh his the first fight where they're freeing Silas Stone and all in that that whole cohort like his brutal hand-to-hand combat is is just like that's what I like about Batman is that he's just kind of down and gritty. Like that one 
fight sequence from Batman vs Superman. Whatever you think about Batman vs Superman as a movie, that initial sequence in the warehouse, I think, where he's like zipping uh, big old wood bins and whatnot into dudes' heads, like that whole sequence is phenomenal. And so that like was reminiscent in that first fight that they have, and then. At the big finale fight, he you know gets a hold of a gun and just kind of starts shooting all the uh, whatever they're called bad guys, <laughs> the flying the parademons, the human the human flies, yeah the parademons. And there's just not the same aspect of like brute force that I feel like Batman brings to the table. It's more just kind of like him being an expert marksman. So I didn't. That was that was as I was trying to think as I was trying to find flaws in this movie. That was that was the, something that came up where I was like ah, I didn't love that. Yeah, it it came like very obvious, very fast that Batman was way over his head. As soon as yeah. he like lost use of that vehicle, he's like, "Oh man, he needs he needs some help, or he's not like capable of flying or like surfing a parademon through an entire <laughs> broken down building like Aquaman." This is like somebody needs to watch Bruce Wayne six at all times. Yeah, which I also appreciate. What was like your other least favorite part? Do some realism. This is just a pet peeve of mine. I know it's so hard to do this in movies, like or not to do this in movies, but I always have, it always pains me to watch when like a character meets another character for the first time and it's like supposed to be this like big reveal for the audience and then that character is like turns to leave and just as they're about to leave, they look back at the other guy and they're like, oh, by the way, call me this. And you're like, oh, it's their name. So they did that with Martian Manhunter where he talks to Bruce Wayne at the end. They have this nice little conversation. Then he's like about to fly away. And he's like, by the way, you can call me the Martian Manhunter. And I was just like, oh, I don't like, I know. It's just a pet peeve of mine where I just hate when that happens in, in movies. It's, I don't know what the better solution is. I, I won't pretend to like have an answer, but that, I was just like, oh no, just announce your name somehow cooler. I don't know. Also, the Martian Manhunter is such a mouthful when someone like introduces themselves as it. We call you like Mar I mean, Marsh. It, yeah. <laughs> what's your What's your nickname? If I don't want to say that whole thing, can I call you like Mister Manhunter? MMH. Is that? <laughs> yeah. I I loved that scene only because Ben Affleck was really selling it. He's like, Jesus Christ, there's a fucking alien on my patio <laughs> right now. Like, what? What? Who who even cares at this point? I am tired. <laughs> but yeah, that that line at the end, um, I mean, the CGI also wasn't great yeah. on it. I feel like maybe they're running out of a few shillings by that yeah. point. Um, but he's like, they call me the Martian Manhunter. I wanted Bruce Wayne to be like, why do they call you that? Are you hunting men? Like, are, are you here to men? kill us? I don't love the fact that you're on Earth hunting men can't say i love that just just say your name is john like, <laughs> yeah. like that's <laughs> that is a, a little bit disturbing if he just vanquished one alien a new one flies up and is like yo I, i'm feeling what you're doing with this team i like it but they call me manhunter yeah. is that his canonical uh, name or is that totally like agree with you on job? that that's a good question i, I don't know the backstory for martian manhunter is he just uh, being like, hi, my name is Plumber. I am accountant. <laughs> I am American I, plumber. I mean, throughout like the rest of the movie, like uh the Flash was consistently calling Wonder Woman Diana. And like it wasn't like Wonder Woman. Like yeah. no, he, he was addressing her by her name, like 
I don't know. Maybe it's because he wasn't around for that. So he's like uh, Infinity War Peter Parker energy. He's like, oh, we're going with our made-up names now. I'm Spider-Man. <laughs> my least favorite part. I want to say my least favorite part is that they didn't fully unlock Jason Momoa in this movie, mm. and which is fine because Aquaman obviously came after they had filmed all this stuff. But it's kind of like... This is just going to keep happening. I'm sorry, listeners. We're going to keep com- making some comparisons to the DC universe and the MCU. That's just all we got right now. But it's kind of like Thor, right? Like Thor was always a pretty funny guy if you like listen to him. And like even all the way back to the first Thor movie, like Chris Hemsworth is just a pretty comical guy, but they didn't really unlock it until Thor Ragnarok. Oh, um, so good. So in this movie, I felt like he had some funny moments, but he was still like tampered down. I thought all of the more comical stuff went to Ezra Miller's Flash, which I mean, he he was pretty great too and very funny. But um, it's not until Aquaman where he kind of is a less serious dude. Um, he still has the drinking problem, but he's like less self serious about it. And that was probably my least favorite part. But it's just because I'm a big Jason Momoa head so I, I want to see him fully unleashed and James Wan had done that and I think we'll see even more of that in Aquaman too so I wonder if that was also this. also too in like response to the Justice League where I feel like they made Aquaman having seen just clips granted I haven't seen the movie but just they, like he was a comedic relief element and as opposed to kind of this brooding sea creature who has this struggle with whether or not he's a part of earth or part of the ocean and seems kind of like so i wonder if Zack snyder was like we are going to make sure that he is firmly angsty uh and then maybe give him some some comic relief because i agree with you jordan where he feels the most similar to a thor and it's not just because both are gorgeous men with long hair uh it's just (laughs) and beards and i guess thor doesn't have tattoos uh but they didn't quite that we know like yeah i was gonna say you might have an ass that's true Ooh, wow (laughs) now that's that's gonna be that's the image in my head um and uh yeah i agree i agree with that sentiment there's a little bit more humor that could have brought in there is and this is kind of what i was alluding to before with the the justice league is that there he does put in a few good scenes in that movie and one of them is that uh there's a scene where Aquaman is like sitting unknowingly on Diana's lasso of truth and he's just spewing like all of his inner like fears and secrets about what they're about to do and he's just like honestly I think we might die and it's like it's very (laughs) hilarious the way he just delivers all of this but yeah needs to be unlocked uh so let's move along who won the Snyder cut other than Zack Snyder, because I think universally he is just a clear winner. But if if there was another winner in this movie, who would it be? It's in me. It's clearly Ray Fisher. Like Ray Fisher, the guy, the actor who portrayed yes. Cyborg. It's like the fact that he. You now get to see this whole rich backstory of him, which Joss Whedon just decided was not necessary, and he he becomes now the like the uh, emotional center point of the movie of the team. Uh, and he 
it's just it, it's just not any and fisher nailed it like he did a tremendous job playing all of the emotions all of the character development that goes into this movie and it just is it's just a much fuller character uh than obviously what joss whedon put out and so i think clearly and and ray fisher also was there was that time between before the snyder came out where he was very vocal about how kind of uh, destructive the environment the set was for him and how it wasn't a good work environment and I think that this just like this proves that he was 100% right because of the fact that like wow there's this great character art great story great like emotional trip that this character goes on that the Joss Whedon just decided wasn't important to the movie and as an actor you can totally be you could totally understand the frustration of like wanting to sink your teeth into this like really rich character and being told that no nah, you're just going to be a machine that just shoots things and maybe has a couple of lines as opposed to this like troubled kid like who's figuring out his relationship with his father and trying to figure out what he is now because he's one of the only ones who or he is the only one like he has that unique aspect to his power where it is visible to the hue to the whole world where it's you know everyone else is like you could don human clothes and no one is the wiser especially if you throw on a pair of glasses because somehow those are just completely throws everyone away no one knows that you know superman is clark kent uh but so grappling with that i just thought that he was without a doubt the guy who came away from this with just you know the most uh the most wins yeah cyborg was the character who had like the most of a uh, i would say a rework or the most like they filled in a lot of the blanks with cyborg and i think that is totally like justifying for ray fisher and and everybody else who wanted to see this movie and who were tweeting and voicing their support for him about uh, what was going on on set and what ultimately happened with the cut of the movie is like, if, if that stuff doesn't land or if like actually cyborg never had like any sort of important role, then I think that looks not great, but for Ray Fisher to kind of stick to his guns and to be like, this is what happened. And this is like I'm standing by this and to see the the vindication come through in this this release that I'm gonna guess millions of people possibly have seen now, then I mean that's just that's just great for him. And I hope that because of the success with this, that they can, you know, re reconcile those differences and bring him back to the DCEU in some way. Cause he was supposed to be in the Flash movie, but yeah, that's no, he should definitely be cyborg moving forward, and and uh, Warner Brothers would do well to you know give him the respect he deserves. Yeah, absolutely. My winner, other than Zack Snyder in this movie, is I'm taking the long view on this, and I'm hoping that it is Ben Affleck. I'm not saying he <laughs> won directly right now, but if he is truly coming back and having some sort of role in um the flash or because he's supposed to be in there with like michael keaton and etc yeah. but if like the because no movie that does this successful you know whether it's a four-hour Zack snyder cut that was pretty much fan driven or any other movie that is in the superhero universe no movie 
that is this successful does not get some sort of follow-up or has some sort of connective tissue. And I've talked in other podcasts before that I wanted the Snyder Cut to be successful because I just want another like sandbox to play in when I'm bored on the weekends. Like I want more more stories, more superheroes that I like really enjoyed growing up and watching on, in cartoon version or whatever that was and seeing them on the big screen again. So I'm hoping that with the loud and positive reception of not just the movie, but Ben Affleck's Batman, that he, I don't know, comes back as the Cape Crusader in some capacity or just by extension, just gives the Justice League a longer runway to actually keep on putting out good movies because they have good movies to their franchise and they have Dwayne Johnson coming into the franchise to pump it up a little bit more. So big, big winner all around, I would say. Uh, I kind of have more of a meta view, which is that the ultimate winner is the fan. <laughs> it's like that year that the Time Magazine made you the person of the year. <laughs> but I mean, people campa- campaigned online loudly and longly enough that this got made and they were vindicated like this movie got great reviews and people who wanted it really like it and that's incredible to happen it it, studios control almost every aspect of every movie that comes out and for a democratized yearning for this product to be remade by this director to come out it's like the fans were the studio executives that said hey this is we're gonna green light this movie and I don't, other than like some crowdfunded stuff, like the, I'm just trying to think of any other precedent where the fans picked something for a movie to be made of it or for, I guess, this to be recut. And it's just cool that people like that this thing happened. I got one for you. How about Rise of Skywalker just over a year ago? Wait, what? I was saying Rise of Skywalker just over a year ago. This is like the reverse of that. Oh yes. yeah, I was okay, gonna say. Were I don't know. Wait, I was very worried, Jordan, for a second there. You were about to come in with this hot take that no, Jordan Palpatine did. over here. Yeah, good lord. <laughs> Had me all Palpatine fucks. That's canon. <laughs> um, good. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> unlimited power. <laughs> no, this is a. <laughs> This is a reverse version of that is like the fans were very loud and in Disney's face about doing a a ton of retconning after The Last Jedi, which is like a perfect Star Wars movie. And they listened to the fans. They put Rise of Skywalker out and it wasn't good. And Warner Brothers listens to the fans and they're like, you know what? Let's not do like a fan servicey thing where they didn't like, because the only extra scenes they filmed, I believe were the nightmare scene and yeah. they revamped some CGI. So it's not like they went in there and I don't know, decided to put in a whole green lantern story arc or decided to introduce, I don't know, Mr. Freeze or something wild just because uh, they were just like Zack Snyder. Just here's sixty, seventy million dollars or whatever. 
give us your vision of what you wanted and we'll throw it on our streaming service and it'll just bump up the subs. Yeah. Which no, is not I that, what the Rise of Skywalker did. No, that is not what the Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, I just, I, I mean, I don't know this for certain, but it felt, it feels like one of the first times where a studio, as like a huge studio, was just like, here you go, take seventy million, and we are going to not put our fingers in this. Like, this is your vision. Do what you want. And that was faith in Zack Snyder, faith in Zack Snyder's vision, and faith from the fans of like we want to see what he had planned because personally, like I love man of steel. And like I said, I already love snack Snyder, but like, I, I wanted to see his clear trajectory. He had a narrative going across all of these movies and this was going to, you know, this was going to tie that all together. And now I really want to know what his narrative keeps going. Cause he has it all planned out. And I know he's, he's talked about it already uh, since it's not going to happen, but yeah, I, I think the fans are definitely big time, big time winners. I would love to see Snyder just move upstairs into like the Feige role where because he clearly has a very keen eye for talent. Like mm. nobody was really thinking Gal Gadot for Wonder Woman or like taking a member of the AAPI community with Jason Momoa and throwing him in there as Aquaman instead of like, I don't know, Ryan Gosling or something where it just makes absolutely zero sense. So I really think that he could take that talent as it were to the C-suite and bring in more good directors, more good casting decisions and kind of let creators cook for, for Warner brothers and the DCEU. That leaves us with where do you rank it? among superhero movies now it's a 73 percent rotten Tomatoes score but a full 96 percent audience score i'm not sure how many review bombs that movie got from the snyder heads out there but like if you were to give it a grade or like equate it to like in a tier of other superhero movies where would it land it's for me, without a doubt, a top ten superhero movie. For me, my top my top five like untouchables: Dark Knight, Michael Keaton's Jack Nicholson's Batman, Thor Ragnarok, Black Panther, and Watchmen. I just those are all incredible movies to me. Uh, but below that, I would have this in line with like Man of Steel, Wonder Woman, and Guardians of the Galaxy. That feels like around this realm where I think it's better than, I know we talked a lot, we've compared it a lot to the Avengers series. It's certainly better than Avengers 1 and Avengers Age of Ultron. I need to see Infinity Wars and Endgame again, but to me, I my immediate impression is that it's better than both of those two, that I enjoyed it more. And even at a ridiculous four hours, I think I'd still be more willing to rewatch it than rewatch like Endgame. So what the the thing with Endgame is though is that like I feel like I can't watch that movie unless I watch Infinity War before it. So it's yeah, kind of fair. like it's the same in that you have to have a huge time commitment yeah. to pull that off. I, I don't think I I give it a B plus as a grade. I don't know if I actually sat down and determined where it would go in terms of top superhero movies my top superhero movies would be black panthers number one and then i don't know fill out the rest with <laughs> just, uh, just uh, had to get that black panther love in there <laughs> it's 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 number one or like followed by like Endgame, um captain america winter soldier mm. i have a i have a sentimental place in my heart for the first iron man um that's fair 
That's a good one. I, I, my hottest take is that I don't really think Avengers is that good of a movie. Like the first 2012 Avengers. It, to be fair, like this is that was ten years ago now. It's it's kind of outdated already somehow. But I just didn't think it was that good of a movie. Thor: The Dark World in my top five for sure. <laughs> um <laughs> that's the hottest take that will ever exist in the universe <laughs> it's not in my top five but i i contend that that is still a good the movie. fact that you even stand it is is beyond me it's because it's funny like it actually <laughs> has some comedic moments like we love darcy and wandavision and she that's absolutely true. shines in that movie so yeah i i would put it it's probably if i had to sit down and rank out a full top 10 it, it would probably slides in there just for the sheer love that i have for ben affleck's batman and jason momoa and gal gadot and i don't know it's giving yes it is fan service and giving the fans what they want but sometimes that is a good thing and yeah i i thought it was great i just have to vote present here because i haven't seen the entire thing but uh in terms of best superhero movies for me, uh, I think Dark Knight is like one of the best films of this side of uh, the year 2000. So it's pretty hard to not include that. And I think Infinity War is my favorite. Or Dark World, better than Dark Knight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, Which there's... dark movie is best? <laughs> the World or The Night? I'll go with the world. Why are you so serious right now? Oh, that's a quote from Dark Knight. <laughs> oh, no. Where's Rachel? I can uh, so report dark. back later. I, I will make a book report about this and report back Perfect. where it is. My Perfect. superhero movies it, ranking. It's tough because like, I think Aquaman might be in my top 10 favorite superhero movies and like the Momoa one I think the Shazam is a great movie too it's the Vincent Chase movie starring Mandy Moore and who is that asshole James Cameron. Jimmy Woods oh. James, James Cameron. Woods <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's James it Cameron guest Cameron. Avatar is the top movie oh man oh also can but, I quickly um oh go ahead go ahead I need to I need to quickly give a winner to uh wonder woman's theme because it's just the greatest piece of like movie scoring of the last 10 15 years that guitar riff that comes in anytime she's about to lay damage is it gets you so and that's what i feel like is the best that's why violent wonder woman got me so excited is because it matched that intensity of that riff Oh my God. Anytime that played, it played like three times throughout uh, the four hours. And every time I was just like, yes, it's about to go down so hard. A sneaky winner of the movie is just getting four straight hours of Hans Zimmer score and just absolutely owning every time Wonder Woman's about to do something godlike oh. or like the, the slow keys of like Superman when he's, you know, back on the dun, farm dun, in Kansas or like, dun, dun. like that's one of the best parts of Man of Steel. That's what makes that a good movie. So good. Honestly, it's just, it has such good sound. So yeah, shouts to Hans Zimmer. I know he's a listener. Uh, we love what you're doing. <laughs> Keep it up. Um, before we get to Falcon and the Winter Soldier, because Pete, I know you haven't seen that yet. I'm apparently the only one who has been- Who's done his work. Bum. Just an absolute <laughs> bum. 
watching content. Um, do you have a streaming recommendation for the folks? I do. Now, I've already seen this whole entire show, and it's an older show, but I'm rewatching it with my wife. And I have to say, I cannot hype this show up enough, and it now is going to underwhelm. But Grace and Frankie on Netflix is one of the best shows that has come out in, I don't know, ever. Uh, I absolutely love that show. We've, we're just crushing it right now, the two of us. And even watching it a second time, all the jokes still land. It is incredible. And for, for, the, for the older crowd who listens to this podcast, I mean, it's a show talking directly to you, to the 60 and up crowd. Oh, man. You know what? Uh, the Queen Bee has been suggesting Grace and Frankie every time we're looking yes. for something to watch. And I'm just like... No, I don't want to watch. <laughs> I don't want to watch this. But if she hears this, then I'm going to probably get another another uh, earful on watching that show. So tell her to my tell her to just sure. move on without you. And while you while you're just sitting on the crouch crushing Zack Snyder for four hours again, she can binge watch Grace and Frankie, and then text me, and we'll talk about it because it is oh my god, my heart goes out to Jane Fonda and uh, Lily Tomlin. I sometimes I, you know, put my put my foot down and I'm immovable like Superman when Steppenwolf is trying to punch him. And that until until she watches the entirety of like Succession or Game of Thrones with me, that like it's got to be a show that we're mutually interested in. Otherwise, that's, that's just going to be one for her. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. You do it. Do a uh, if and for or whatever. A tit for tat. There it is. A tit for tat on opiness. Um, <laughs> That's my cue. <laughs> uh, awesome. Well, thanks for coming in and chatting, Pete. When you hear this podcast, if you play it back, this will be your cue to also pause if you haven't gotten to the Falcon and the Winter Soldier yet, because we're going to dive into that. Yeah. Thanks right. for having me, you guys. Yeah. It was a blast. Always happy to talk Superman and just video movies in general. Awesome. We'll definitely have you back. Thanks, Pete. So let's, uh, as I told Pete before he um, signed off, and we want to thank Pete again for hopping onto the podcast to chat with us. Let's talk about Falcon and the Winter Soldier. If you haven't seen it, pause, go watch it. It's about 38 minutes or so, and then resume this podcast. Um, so what did we think of Italics, the pilot? Do you mean the one that Falcon murked in the opening scene or? All the poor pilots that just got blown to hell in that canyon. Uh, and, you know, Rhodey. Shouts to Rhodey. He coming back. I didn't know he was going to be in this episode. And I was very excited to see Don Cheadle grace my screen again. Yeah, I'm always happy to have Don Cheadle into my household in any format. It's fantastic. Uh, I thought it was a really strong pilot. Uh, I... I have some outstanding questions about the benefits plan that the Avengers offers its members. Um, but other than that plot hole, uh, I thought the storytelling was really good. I like that it had some smaller moments that flesh out some of the backstories that you just don't have time to tell in a two and a half hour or even a four hour movie. Like you just kind of sometimes need five hours of just TV time to show Bucky Barnes on a date and have him playing Battleship. Yeah, it definitely, 
it was a pilot episode. Um, it was supposed to be the first. So the thing is here is for those who don't know that WandaVision came first, but it was originally supposed to be Falcon and the Winter Soldier that premiered first. It was supposed to be our first piece of television content that followed Spider-Man Far From Home, that followed Endgame. But COVID, the pandemic kind of switched those plans up. So when watching this movie it definitely felt like a pretty strong continuation of like what life was like right after um everybody came back from the blip um because you had a lot of scenes with uh sam wilson who's the falcon he's got the shield he's trying to figure out what he should do he ultimately decides to donate it to the smithsonian um, backs right off which is like it's a tax write-off, I'm sure, but also it's like the Defense Department doesn't need any more donations, so to speak. Uh, They're doing okay. And to your point, very, very big questions. I know in the comics, Tony Stark spends some time as the Secretary of Defense, but I wonder if there's some sort of MCU uh, through line where he borrows like the VA's plan for taking care of veterans and applies that to taking care of his superheroes because uh, Sam can't even get a bank loan. And he's going to pay it back. He's not asking for money. He's asking for a loan. My guy's literally getting government contracts to kill people. That is probably a lot of capital to, to put down. Actually, I don't even know why he needs a load in the first place. Like, have these checks been cashed yet? Does he not get, like, the full funding that he requires from his government contracts? You know, it's going to be bonkers. Like, is I, I don't know. We're going to find out. at the financials in this. We're going to find out that, um, like, he is the contractor, but his contracting company is Stark Industries, and Stark Industries is getting, like, $100,000 permission, and he's getting, like, I don't know, two, two grand, two, three grand. <laughs> I, they kind of, they hint at it with the scene that he has with our guy, Don Cheadle, War Machine. Um, and I, I hope they actually take more of a direct line at the race aspect of it. Um, because it wouldn't be surprised, be a surprise to me is that like Sam Wilson being a black superhero and being marvel's actual first black superhero albeit a sidekick that he has difficulties dealing with the bank or difficulties with um being really taken seriously as like the next captain america because of his race not so much because uh, because sam wilson doesn't feel like he can live up to the the Aryan mantle that was steve rogers quite literally Aryan, just given all the science that went into it but <laughs> we can talk about that later <laughs> but I, I thought it was a pretty strong pilot i was interested in it it felt like the first half of the first act of a pretty sizable movie like a three-hour movie um rather than like here's the here's the opening show here are the characters here's where they're at in their life it's like here are our two main characters here is a giant action set piece and we're going to allude to some sort of threat 
with a really terrible name called the Flag Smashers. Like that's just going to be the first episode and we're only getting five more. So I, I really do feel like it's just a long movie that's broken down into into pieces, into fifths, if it were. Yeah, I really didn't know that it was a six-parter until today. So I have, now that we've seen a sixth of it, um, I'll be curious to see if the Flag Smashers do anything that is outside of the norm that we've expected from Marvel villains specifically, where they just kind of are menacing, but not like, with the exception of Thanos, menacing, but not so menacing that they actually pose any real threat, just kind of big enough for our guys to take care of business. Yeah, I kind of like that they're switching gears to like this goofy catastrophic event happened where half of the world's population disappeared for five years and there's fallout from that. Like that kind of shit has consequences and I liking that they're kind of using that as a way to pivot into maybe some more ground level villains again um because i they want to get a little bit more galactic we're going to get some pretty weird stuff with doctor strange and the multiverse of madness we're going to get some very super powered beings with the eternals coming into the fold the x-men might show up at some point but i i like that they're kind of going back to it's it's definitely got the dna of like falcon and or Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Captain America. It does. The Winter Soldier. You were right the um, first time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just bringing it, bringing it back all the way um, to that movie, which was one of Marvel's best. So I really enjoyed that. Um, do you have any predictions for the show going forward, or where do you think it's going to take us? Uh, gosh, I don't know. It sure seems like Bucky's forays into dating aren't going to end well, because why would they? They <laughs> He's 106 years old, and he's got some problems, and he always has drawn back into a fight. So I don't know. I guess that's my prediction. I guess based on some of the dialogue, I would expect that the Wilson family will get their boat funding issues sorted out by season's end, hopefully. Uh, I, I kind of feel like this is a like maybe a companion piece to Forrest Gump where there's like, there's Bubba Gump shrimp, but then there's also the Wilson shrimp company and they can like compete. <laughs> I would watch that show. Uh, what do you think? What do you think Bucky has as, do you think he's on um, Bumble or is he like a Tinder guy? Oh, he's and a Tinder guy with, with that bionic arm. You know how using? fast he can swipe. He can swipe through probably like a hundred profiles a minute, just like shotgunning through. He's trying to get all the dates and no one is biting because he has 106 years old on his profile and everyone has their settings zeroed in for 25 to 33. Do you, do you think it's connected through his Facebook? Yes, absolutely. I, I feel like he is, he's not a message first guy. I feel like he hasn't really figured that out yet. And he's, he's just kind of, he sits back and he lets, uh, he lets, the ladies come to him much like the server uh who was pulled in by his very old friend which i thought was very hilarious his very metal arm he has bad circulation okay <laughs> um my prediction uh, part of the reason i want to bring up prediction is because just based on how wandavision played out and how we saw that kind of permeate the culture as it were for 
I don't know, two months that people got a little bit wild with conspiracy theories and like wondering how it's going to be as connective tissue for the rest of the MCU. And I think based on the way that ended and how that was supposed to be second, that we should probably tamper expectations a little bit for Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I think ultimately what they're trying to do with these these short one-off TV shows and whether they have sequels or second seasons is uh, going to be a question mark for the future. But I think what they're doing is trying to take these B-level players and give them a little bit of a backstory and give them more emotional connection to the viewer. Because, I mean, how many people actually cared about Wanda or Vision before the TV series came out or how many people actually cared about, you know, Sam Wilson or Bucky Barnes beyond being like, I mean, Bucky Barnes kind of has a tragic backstory, but like you saw them as like the two dudes who were just competing to be Steve Rogers, best friend at in civil war. And after that. So I don't know. I, I think that's really the goal of these TV shows and not so much to give us like really fully fleshed out, I don't know, plot points for the next phase of the MCU. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. I feel like they'll probably do the MCU thing where they drop a hint or two as to something, something mysterious going forward. Like everyone thought Mephisto was going to be in Wanda and I could see them hinting at something in this. Like there's some, galactic force that is feeding all this but they're not going to explicitly say it they didn't even explicitly say thanos was the thing until the end of ultron i think that's right so i i agree that um we should probably just just manage our expectations that we're trying to fill in some shading for these characters so when they make the next avengers movie that doesn't probably have chris evans or uh, Robert Downey in it that these characters will have enough backstory that they can carry those similar roles on their own. Yeah, I want to say Thanos popped up at the end of Avengers, but at the same time, I don't. We never really understood what Thanos was doing or his motivation until Infinity War, like until he came in and dropped exposition on us in the first act of Infinity War. We're just like. He is a big bad. He's coming. He's strong. He's going after the Infinity Stones. And the Avengers have to stop him. So that was, I don't know. That, that's just something that's I don't think is going to happen in a TV show where we get like a primary villain who's just his motivation is spelled out. I know they want subscribers for Disney Plus, but I don't think they're willing to jeopardize like the true draw is like box office receipts. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see going forward on a slightly larger discussion level as to how Disney manages their content between the box office mega hits, like trying to get a billion dollars at once versus getting $5 from every person in America. Well, not, you know, getting $5 from everyone once a month for a year. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a nice goal to have, but they're still going to put those movies on there eventually, which they're trying to double dip. They want the box office to draw, which is why they delayed Black Widow once again. And then they want people to like those movies so much that they've subscribed to Disney Plus and rewatch it, which is 
exactly what we have done. It's great. Yeah, I saw you changed your uh, profile image recently also. Who is that? Oh, I changed it to Zendaya because... Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Okay, Uh, because I was going to say, if it changed after that, somebody definitely hacked in and changed it. Yeah, it's it's Zendaya. Shouts to our Mary Jane, our Mary Jane fans out there. Unbelievable. <laughs> um, she came up a lot actually when we were talking with our our friends uh, this past weekend. Let's jump to the end of the podcast here. Let's give. We haven't given some recommendations in a while, and Pete gave his of Grace and Frankie, but. Do you want to drop your movie wreck? I do. So my girlfriend and I watched Sound of Metal on Amazon Prime last night, and I'd recommend that to anyone uh, because Riz Ahmed's performance is just unbelievable. The sound is incredible. Uh, I thought the screenplay was really good. The thing that Riz Ahmed keeps doing in movies is he keeps having some very odd tattoo choices. But uh, other than that note, um, I... I thought it was a really good movie and it was beautiful. And um, he has this thing that he can do where he just looks really scared. And he does this in like everything he's in and he does it in this movie and they call it out specifically, which I think is a pretty smart play just because it's like his actual real life superpower. So I don't know. I would watch this movie uh, and recommend it to watch, recommend anyone to watch it just one, because it's nominated for an Oscar, but two, because it's a pretty good story and it's just um, a different look, just kind of on like what it's like if you were to go deaf instantly or just a view of the deaf community and uh, sign language and using that and trying to transition from being a person who can hear stuff to someone who can't and has to learn an alternate method of communication. Yeah, that's one. It's been on Amazon Prime for like months now, and I just haven't gotten to it because I'm like, oh, it's on Amazon Prime. So I don't have to like worry about a window of whether or not I'll see it. And it's definitely one I got to fire up. I still have my Riz Ahmed stock from the night of one of the greatest miniseries of all time from HBO. So yeah, that's one I'm going to fire up. That's where we were too, where it's just like on our list forever and it's going to be available. It's an Amazon movie so we waited and waited and mm-hmm. rewatched all of game of thrones and then we got to sound of metal and it's uh it's really good and i recommend it we'll have to talk about that game of thrones rewatch at a different time um i'm gonna jump into my recommendation and it was one um that dropped recently uh kind of about recent events it's operation varsity blues the college admissions scandal and it's on netflix it's a movie about like that college admissions scandal that involves like Lori Laughlin and uh, Felicity Huffman and how these basically these rich white people were paying through a side door to get their kids into schools. Some of them pretty prestigious, some of them just USC um, to get into there. And it's a, it's kind of part documentary, part dramatization, because they actually have actors playing people who are involved in the scandal. And the script, it's scripted in that it's reworked from 
like FBI tapes of like recorded phone calls that the FBI had to get uh, the guy who was like the kingpin of all of this Richard Springer, I want to say something like that, um, who was played by like Matthew Modine. So like they actually have an actor playing this guy and it's only an hour and 40 minutes. It's a pretty interesting watch and like the shout and Freud of like these rich people kind of getting their comeuppance because they are so obsessed with like prestige and the appearance of getting their kids into a school and ultimately having it all crash down in this giant racketeering case that the FBI brought against these people is just it's fun to watch for that point but it's also like uh gross like look at what these rich people like with all their privilege are trying to do and taking away opportunities from other qualified kids to get into school and just because they have money you just have to watch it it's it's a good watch it's something that's nice to fire up on a weekday night on netflix man that sounds great i do have a question uh so i know the fbi operation was varsity blues did anyone in the documentary say that they don't want your laugh no that i feel like that was a ripe opportunity to all these kids who were trying to live up to their parents expectations but uh that would have have been pretty great uh we need uh lori laughlin's kids to just start screaming uh i don't want your laugh i don't want your laugh well that brings us to the end of the podcast. We'll have more movies for you, uh, more things to talk about coming soon. I uh, hope you were able to check out the Snyder Cut and the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, thanks to my guy, Pete Rogers, for hopping on to talk Snyder Cut with us. Um, you can follow him on Twitter if you choose. Um, it's at Pete M. Rogers. Um, and he hosts the RB1 Fantasy Football Podcast, which guess what? I've been known to be on on a week-to-week basis. It drops on Tuesdays. We record on Mondays. So go ahead and subscribe to that podcast if you are into fantasy football, if you just like football in general. It's fun. Um, We get into a lot of uh, nitty-gritty numbers and stats on that show. Roger, anything to plug? Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Raj15Pod or on Twitter at Raj underscore Podge. It's R-O-G and then P-O-D-G-E because otherwise it wouldn't rhyme or the name wouldn't make sense because I don't have a D in my actual name. Awesome. And I am the Martian Manhunter. You can follow me on Parlor at Jordan underscore Smith. 666. No, I'm just kidding. Don't follow me there. Thanks for listening, guys. Peace.